What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I could do this all day. The Matt Sodnikar Podcast. Hey, welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. I'm sitting here with uh, Chris Moore from Werative.com. Uh, we met at Denver Startup Week a couple weeks ago. He was uh, the leader of a session, I guess, for, um, was it Makers? Is that right? Was that kind of growth? Growth? Yeah. Okay. And uh, I'd reached out to Chris because the session was one of the best I had attended at all of Startup Week. And there was a a depth and a character and a richness to the content and the people and the organization. Um, and just wanted to talk more about that. So with that, Chris, welcome. Appreciate you making the time. Yeah. Thanks, man. And thanks yeah. for those comments. It's, um, it's one of those things you work really hard on and you hope at least one person likes it. So <laughs> I can check that box, but, uh, yeah, no, it was, and you know, we had amazing people all on the panel Yeah, and the modern nomad is a beautiful place. So it was great, and I, I appreciate those comments. Oh, you're very welcome. They're sincere. Um, I attended a, a data science one that was interesting and detailed, and it was, I think the subject matter was dry and technical, but there was definitely something different about that. Um, why don't we do this? Take me through where it is, yeah. and then take me through setting up that um, panel at Modern Nomad, and we'll just go from there. That sounds good. So, you know... Ironically, um, the whole thing is a good story. Uh, so Werative is my storytelling company. I was in corporate world for lots of years in sales and marketing roles. And I just felt like, um, you know, the more corporate I got, the further I got away from either the customers I was serving or um, the patients, because I was actually in medical diagnostics, the patients that that my products would ultimately help. I just got further and further away from them. Which company was that? So I started um, at a small company company in Seattle called Lifespan Biosciences. I was actually so bad there as a sales up they fired me. Um, <laughs> but then, but they also didn't train me, so I feel a little bit like it wasn't totally my fault. Um, and then I got picked up by a company called Ventana Medical Systems out of Tucson, Arizona. And my degree is in genetics. And they needed a traveling scientist. So they sold this really expensive medical equipment, and they need somebody to meet that piece of equipment at a hospital and train them how to use it. And I was 23, and I thought, wait a minute, you're going to pay me to travel all over and do these <laughs> things. I know, yeah, of course I'll take that job. Uh, and about six months in, a sales rep was like a no-show. And it literally just didn't show up. Like one of these, they thought something bad had happened to him, and... And my boss at the time was brand new in his role. And he's like, look, I can't show up at this sales meeting with an empty position for a guy who won't even return my phone call. He's like, will you please take this role? And I'm like, great, but you should know I just got fired like six months ago from a sales role. I'll do it, but I, you know, I don't know how good I'm going to be. And he said, he said, look, we train. You know, we actually invest a lot of money in training people. We don't necessarily want to hire somebody with a lot of sales experience. We want to hire somebody with the right character. And he saw that in me. And, yeah, they trained me for, you know, it was like a four-month process of a lot of classroom time and then you went out with a mentor classroom time out with your boss classroom time and then kind of a final stand and deliver 
And I loved it. And because they enabled me to, to be to be good and to, of course, love what I had learned and how to apply it. And I did really well. And uh, I did that for two years. And Ventana grew very quickly. And they wanted to bring salespeople into marketing roles in Tucson. And so the same boss was like, you should go do this. You, this, is a, this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to, for at your age to manage medical products across the globe. You know, you'll be in Europe next month. You should go do this. And so I said, sure. Moved to Tucson. And yeah, I just took a lot of marketing roles. And Ventana grew and grew and was bought by a huge di- uh, pharma company called Roche. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so we just all went from this like $500 million company to this $60 billion company overnight. And then the opportunities just exploded. And it was it was great. It was a lot of fun. But you just get so far from the people you ultimately serve. I mean, that's and that's what I wanted to do. I liked being in the hospitals. I liked talking to patients. I liked hearing about these things we couldn't solve and then to solve them. I didn't like strategic business plans, PowerPoint templates. And that wasn't my thing. Um, so after 10 years there, I actually got my MBA. And then I moved here to Denver and took over um, marketing efforts for a cell therapy company. And just kind of a quick, what is that? The idea is if you have cancer or a problem, the cells in your body. So let's take cancer, for example. You know, if you get sick, if you your kid or whatever sticks their hand in the back of the airplane seat and then their mouth, their immune system will fight off whatever they picked up, right? But when you get cancer, it hides itself from your immune system. So for whatever reason, the immune system can't find it. It it doesn't attack that tumor. It knows it shouldn't be there, but it doesn't kill it. And cell therapy was all about fixing that, was all about reprogramming those cells to now find that tumor and kill it. And like in the last five years, there's been this incredible innovation slash uprising in in cancer and the fight against cancer, which with immunotherapy, which is this idea of I'm going to take your your immune system out. I'm actually going to reprogram it using viruses, and I'm going to give it back to you, and then it's going to go after your tumor and it's going to kill it. And they've it's been doing this, and you know they. In fact, that football on the other side of the room is the first sign by the first girl ever to receive uh, CAR T-cell therapy for childhood leukemia. And she, it was death or this treatment. And her parents, who are amazing, the Whitehead family, they went for the treatment. And the process was kind of ugly, you know, but it, it killed the tumor. And she's alive. And she's been alive for, I think, four and a half years now. Um. I wanted to be next to that. Mm-hmm. That's what I loved, you know? I didn't want to be in business class flying to another Asian country to meet with another business leader who was six people away from their patient. I didn't want that. But I loved the stories. And so a year and a half ago, I said, I'm done. And I started a storytelling company. And the idea was just to go out and meet people and tell their stories. And that's what Wearative is. So it's where your narrative. Because a picture I would create for people is you go to a trade show, especially in corporate America, and you go to the, you know, the networking event. Um, <laughs> and you look around and everybody, men and women, are wearing the exact same Navy suit. And, you know, nothing stands out. I mean, here are people who have dedicated their lives to science and medicine and innovation and da 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 
and you couldn't tell that person from the dude who got the job three days ago. You know, there was, there was, and it's, that's just a shame. Like you, you should embrace what you are and that should kind of flow out of you at all times. You should never blend in. That's such a shame. And so where your narrative came about and, um, we actually made, we started out making these wooden, little wooden lapel pins with these sayings on them from stories that we heard. So we had a journey as the reward. You're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And we went to these, <clears throat> these little laser etching companies and they would etch these things for us. And we sold them. And we wanted them, people to wear them. And we wanted it to be a conversation piece. And then we teamed up with some cancer organizations, some patient advocacy groups, and we made leather bands, like this is one right here, um, for people to wear that were something a little bit cooler than other things, I guess, than the, you know, the kind of Live Strong band. <coughs> sure. Um, <coughs> yeah, and we sold these, and we raised money for these cancer organizations. But the long and short of it is there's not a whole lot of money in this, and I needed to make more money than I was making. <laughs> and, and so we did this. I thought, okay, well, I need, I need more stories. I need to just produce content like crazy. Uh, where can I go where there's people who have lots of stories that are willing to share them? And one night, like in the hot tub or whatever, my wife and I are like, what about tattoo parlors? Like, what about, you know, these people who go in and not like, I want a Mickey Mouse, nothing against that. But, you know, those are short tattoos with short stories. And I like Disney. Mm -hmm. We wanted the people who like, I want a sleeve, you know, or I want an enormous chess piece or I want something on my thigh that's going to cost me several thousand dollars and take me lots of days. I, I, we wanted their story. And so we created this video series called Story Inc. where we would go in and we would make a video of the artist, the tattoo-y, mm -hmm. person getting the tattoo, and how, you know, one person kind of tells this life story of like, hey, I have fought cancer and won, or I lost my mother and never want to forget, uh, you know, whatever. And then this, these artists take that story and turn it into these amazing beautiful pieces and that begins like four days of pain it for, <laughs> for, for the person getting the tattoo so we made videos about it super yeah. producer cole who does this has uh tattoos and stories about that he yeah. has uh, autoimmune disorder um that uh, put him in a coma for a couple of years and so he's got tattoos commemorating that so yeah. i'll get you photos of that so see. Awesome. yeah well i see i think that's powerful Oh, yeah. yeah. And we, we met a guy um, doing that who focuses on ink therapy. And so the idea for him, so he's in school to get his degree to be a licensed therapist. But the idea is, you know, some people overcome obstacles by climbing Everest or doing a marathon or whatever. And some people do it by getting tattoos. And yeah, right. And yeah. it makes it makes perfect sense. And he and it was wonderful. Actually, it was like my most favorite project that I've ever done. Because it's very raw. And, you know, you see, like, I remember the first one I did. Um, I'm like, boy, this person kind of shuts down after about two hours. They don't want to talk anymore. And I couldn't figure out why. I thought maybe it was me. And so I pulled George, the tattoo artist, aside. And I'm like, what's going on? Am I doing something wrong? And 
He's like, they're actually in pain. <laughs> like, like, they don't want to talk. Like they're they are mind over mattering the fact that they're two hours in for a four day process. <laughs> they're done. Um, it was great, but there, I met one of the videos we did um, was Tara Lovato, who she was on the panel. Kind of long story to get to your answer. She was she owned. She's the founder of Law Lovely Vintage. Yes. <clears throat> and so she was she had a tattoo done and we recorded it and she was fascinating to me. And you know, she does vintage clothing and the idea being you know, and like she talks about in the panel about her store is like a time capsule. Yeah. And you know, taking you back to time when, you know, neat clothes were neater than today. Um and then she has this beautiful style about her and the shop and the clothes she selects. And so we've been friends now for a year and a half. And she moved into Modern Nomad. And when I got to Modern Nomad, I'm like, this place is beautiful. And then I start meeting these other business owners in there that have equal stories. And I'm like, this is cool. Like this, people need to hear this. Because it wasn't, and you heard, you heard in the panel these weren't people who had the best business case worked out. You know, these weren't people. Or none. Or none. Yeah. Yeah. These are people who had a dream. And Modern Nomad, Modern Nomad gave them the opportunity to try to pursue it. And amongst like-minded people. And they've been crazy successful. Because when you walk into that place, you feel it. Like that, that genuineness, like it's hard not to feel it in that building. And I just thought, my goodness, this is what I wanted to do. Like, these are the stories I wanted to tell. And these people are living them. And I, to me, that's what Startup Week is about. Like, cool on you if you got a business plan, you should. Cool on you if you get a lot of investors and venture ca- That's cool. But, man, don't forget the soul of what you're trying to do. Right. You know, don't forget it. And it might seem small to you. But it could be really big to others. And, and I felt like Modern Nomad really encapsulated that. And so that was, then we set it up. And, and they agreed to go through the, the um, practice with me and the interviews with me. And, and yeah, and that's how it came about. And we got accepted, which was a huge compliment. Major thanks to sure. Denver Startup Week. And, um, yeah, so that was it. Well, it's funny you talk about the, uh, the, the blue suit because uh, – your session was that Friday, so the last day of startup week. And uh, I had seen what I'll call like the Denver IT outfit, right? So it's the, the Navy blazer. <laughs> it's the, the jeans, the bespoke um, selvage denim, right? Yeah. And then the brown shoes. Yeah. And that's fine. And I was like, you know what? I'm going down to Rhino and, it, you know, kind of an eclectic place. Yeah. <clears throat> and this ties into um, the, the vintage shop. I I'm always on the lookout for vintage stuff. And yeah. so I pulled out this um, mint green suede blazer that I think was from Arizona. I'll yeah. have to look. It's okay. like resort wear from Arizona. <laughs> awesome. And I just remember talking to her about it and I couldn't, I remember getting dressed that morning in the closet and like something was compelling me to put on this mint blazer. It's like, I wanted to be different. Yeah. And I was like, just something is like, I have to take this. And yes. so now that you're talking about that and her story and yeah. the ink, I was like, yeah, I, I believe in coincidences and connections and totally. things like that. So like that fully explains now why I had to wear my lighter, one of my two green suede blazers. <laughs> I love it. 
Well, but I, that was it. I, I, I mean, I'm just, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. And yeah. most of my days are business present because I came from medical. I have a lot of years of experience. Most of my work is in that field. A lot of it is investor material. So telling the story, the why of whatever this medical innovation is. And of course, because I'm, I challenge, you know, stand out, like embrace it. And, or even before that, you know, I challenge them, what is it? Like, what are you, what are you fixing? What does the world look like without this, this innovation or whatever it is? Help me understand. And, and it, it's this weird thing about corporate America is that it tends to stomp out some of that stuff. And I, it's, some of it's the tools, you know, you when your whole life is studying genetics, you don't spend a lot of time just learning about graphic design, right? So some of it is just the <laughs> right. tools. Some of it is the convention. So you go to these big shows and you're like, whoa, whoa, I wore a gray plaid suit today and I thought I was looking pretty hot. <laughs> now I'm standing out and I feel like a dork. You know, and, and then part of it is just the character nature of, of people that tend to be in medicine. They tend to be kind of closed in, right? Because... Because that's the nature of it. You, you've spent a lot of time studying and a lot of time studying by yourself. And you don't, you know, you, you haven't spent a lot of time socially engaging and, and developing and refining kind of who you are. And so we challenge, you know, we challenge, what is it about you? Like, you don't have to go out the deep end. You don't need to, I love green blazers. I like when people <laughs> do that. That's memorable to me. But if, it's, if you're not comfortable with it, don't do it. Uh, but do what is it like? Find that thing that you can do that that represents either the culture of your company, who you're trying to to help, you know, what problem you're trying to fix, accomplish, or avoid. Like, what is it? Bring it to the surface and be memorable, and let it be kind of your badge of honor. Because you just in all these places, you don't want to look like the other 700 people around you. You know, you want, you need to stand out. When you're struggling to raise money, you need to stand out. It's safer to invest in these other companies. It is. They have pedigree. Sure. So give them a reason to remember you two nights later when they're, they're having to make that decision and, you know, they're thinking about the risks they do want to take. So I'm a big, and I don't know if you... If you saw, so we actually, that whole week, I wore boutonnieres made by um, the plant shop that was in there, Reroot. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Paige is the founder of Reroot, and so she made me boutonnieres, and I gave them away all week. Uh, so anybody who made a comment about it, I would give the boutonniere away because I wanted to have this experience of someone noticing something and then being able to give it and say, hey, you should come, you know, you should meet the founder of this company. She's amazing. Her company's amazing. Her story's amazing. Come do this. And it was kind of a fun experiment for me all week long to do it, especially flying around those electric scooters downtown <laughs> with a boutonniere on. <laughs> I cool. bought one after that uh, presentation. Yeah. Did you really? Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah. Have you worn it and given it away or anything? Uh, it's actually, I have a little uh, Day of the Dead skeleton that's kind of uh, on a nightstand with the books I'm reading. Yeah. So he's holding it now. That's awesome. But yeah, I bought one after that. I was like, I'm getting a boutonniere too. <laughs> I, I loved it. It was, yeah. a, I was getting coffee one morning and the um, lady was like, man, you're looking fly today, which 
you know, nobody says that to me. <laughs> My wife does, you know, but nobody else. She has to. She has to. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, that boutonniere is on point. And I'm like, I want you to have this. I want, you know, and this is what I'm doing. And here's this amazing founder I want to tell you about. And this amazing company I want to tell you about. I'm like, that. that's pretty cool. That's a good, that's a good thing that I get to have that exchange getting around coffee at some random place. That's cool. Yeah. And going back to your point about standing out and tying back to something you said previously, if you don't feel comfortable in that, it's going to feel manufactured. Yeah. And then I think people either consciously or subconsciously will know that that's just a little bit off. Like it's not genuine. And I think that can have almost more negative repercussions than just being one of the crowd. Totally. You're fake, right? You're fake. And people, we, we, I don't know, study is probably too strong of a word, but for the customers that we go to, um, and like, like, for example, you can have a founder who really knows what they're doing and really has a very clear vision of who they're going to help. And, and it's compelling, um, but they can't speak without a PowerPoint. And they can't speak without a PowerPoint without rehearsing for three weeks. And what we've seen is that that tends to erode on the genuineness of the person because it's a bit robotic. You know, even when you have these compelling graphics and all this stuff, it's robotic. And, and so we, we, we study a lot of when do you call that? When do you say, you know, Mrs. Founder, Mr. Founder, you're awesome. This thing that you're doing is incredible, but but you've lost. You know you're not able to for whatever reason your comfort levels is blocking you from getting that across to people. And we got to do something different. You got to be open minded to that, or we got to find somebody different. And those are always tough conversations. But you do. You it has to be comfortable because if when you're telling a story, when you want people to come along for the ride, when you want them to sign up for your vision of the future they need to see that passion and energy which is is full of imperfection is full of i don't knows is full of we're going to give this a try changing the future is not oh i actually wrote it out last night and this is exactly how it's going to go you know and, <laughs> and getting people to that right. point is tough but that's what was special about modern nomad i mean you walk into that the barrel top of that massive warehouse. Well, first of all, Rhino was so cool. But then you walk in and then you see that massive barrel top. It's like a hanger. It's like a hanger. The huge, it was cold that morning, so we couldn't open those big garage doors. But they open oh. on both sides. And then, you know, they have those enormous fans in there like you see at Costco kind of thing. <laughs> and there's just something. You walk in there and you're like, this is freaking cool. Like, this is, there's, this is cool. And, and I've, we, we talked about it actually at length before the panel of what is it? Like, tell me what it is that's creating that atmosphere in there. Like, is it a smell? Is it an attire? Is it a wardrobe? Is it the music? What is it? And it's really hard to put your finger on it. And there, you know, there does seem to be some weird magic that comes from being genuine putting kind of your whole life out there for people and this craft that you've perfected and 
and then just letting it be amongst wide open doors in the art district of Denver. There, I, I, I don't know what it is, but it, you walk into that building and it's very cool and very special. And, and we were so blessed to be able to use that. It was a little out of the beaten path, you know, because most of the Startup Week stuff was kind of by Union Station, the convention center. And, you know, Rhino does take a little bit of effort to get out to. But you just, yeah, I couldn't pass that opportunity up to, to be able to, to be in such a beautiful place. Yeah, it was, I, I could have missed all the other ones, but um, that was one looking back, like I'm so glad I made the time yeah. for that. It was yeah. absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's good to hear that. And, it, and I, I get a lot of uh, <clears throat> you know, detail and preparation from seeing you operate. And it was professional but not canned or I mean there was rehearsal there was intent yeah and it showed because yeah. it was polished but it was still it was still genuine like the the it's not like you just grab people hey you want to go sit on this panel right like there was just this flow to it but in this is just another compliment to you it's just natural right yeah. it just flowed and yeah. that comes from thought and preparation but you didn't stifle anybody that was on there yeah we were all who they were, they're all very different. And it was just, yeah. it was just, yeah. And I, I'll have to say that I can, <clears throat> I can process emotions and yeah. information, but not at the same time. Yeah. So I remember sitting there and was like, I was seeing what you were doing and what the people were doing. But at that point, like that's when what they were saying, I couldn't do both. Yeah. And I was that's like, this is just really, really cool. Yeah, I spent hours with each one of them. I mean, Tara, I've known for a year, and so she was, I, I'll, I say she was easy, but honestly, I think we spent three hours one morning, and I just had these questions of like, what is the story you're trying to create? Like, give it to me in your words. And, and why is that story important? You know, and how did you get to that story? And how is that different from other stories? And, and what, I mean, just help me with that. Like, explain to me what that's all about. And it each one of them, first of all, gave me that much time, which is pretty cool. And then I, it, it was one of those things you're just kind of along for the ride. Like it's sort of like somebody's scary story up Everest or scary whatever they did story that you're just like, and then what happened? And then what happened? <laughs> and then, you know, it was, um, gosh, it was just, and I went to each one of their shops, of course, um, there. But then, um, Atlas shop is up in Boulder, the table makers, furniture makers. And yeah. so I went up to their shop, which was just cool. Um, but then, but then I had to get out of my comfort zone. So, um, awakening is this, you know, kind of new age sexual boutique, right? The idea is, is change that conversation and educate and it's healthy and you can do it in a positive way and talk about it in a positive way. And, and so, you know, a 40 year old dude from, you know, Tennessee had to ask these questions of them of kind of what's your story. And it was out of my comfort zone. I, you know, it's not something I do every day. And, um, but like, I don't know, four minutes in their story is so crazy compelling and their mission of just, we want, we simply want to help. We simply want to give people a place to go when they want to learn and be educated, that can be done in a tasteful manner. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And and the two women co-founders, 
were just crazy cool and had very eclectic styles and but were very easy to talk to and and had a lot of experience from their own stuff to you know how do you handle that in corporations how do you handle it in things like maternity which they were not experts in but is a big is a is a big topic of interest and and we talked a lot about religion and sexuality and how do you handle that and what does that conversation look like and and so it was it was fun because it was hard because I took a lot of time to prepare but it was very fun for me because I got to kind of hear it unedited and raw for hours, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we together, we all distilled it to kind of these 10 minute chunks on the panel. And then I tried to fit it together. So there's a little bit of overlap, but plenty of opportunity for them to differentiate and express, you know, who they were. Um, but man, it was so easy. There was so much content. Like, it was so fun. And there was, like you said, they're so different. Um, you know, they were, Yeah. It was really fun and cool for me. And, and of course, when it's fun and cool for the, the uh, organizer, it's very easy for me to make it exciting for everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Was that recorded by chance? Was it video recorded? Do you know? Uh, my wife on her iPhone did video record okay. it. Yeah. Um, but I actually haven't even watched it. I should. I should. It would be fun to, it would be fun to look at it. Okay. Yeah. But no, we didn't. Re- we should have. We probably should have done that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went and talked to uh, almost everybody at the end of that session. Yeah. and asked them to be guests on the show. So Good. you're you're the first. Yeah. And so it just was compelling stories. Like um, who was the flower lady again? Paige. Paige. Yeah. And the fact that she didn't have a business plan, but she's figuring it out. Yeah. And executing it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people. You know, both personally and you see on message boards or whatever or reddit whatever like oh i can't do this until i have the business plan this this and this yeah. it's like yes but just go do it right and i got a, a lot of sense of uh, some fearlessness yeah. there or i'm afraid but i'm gonna do it yeah and uh yeah talking to everybody there was just absolutely i spent another two and a half hours That's at awesome. modern nomad yeah after that and it was just i didn't want to leave like yeah. it was just a cool vibe yeah yeah help that we had some good vegan ice cream and some good coffee in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. but you know i mean i don't know man i we did talk about this a little bit i mean i had a business plan for storytelling i had an idea of how many things i needed to sell at what profit yada 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 and it, and unfortunately that didn't work out for me for the financial goals i needed for my family and, you know, so four months in, I had to rip that up and do something different. And then three months after that, I had to rip that up and do something different. And then that thing started to work. But then I got this another cool opportunity that I wanted to pursue. And so, and I, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, I realized I have an MBA and I'm supposed to be a super analytical guy and I came from Big Pharma <laughs> and all this stuff. But, and so I should be the one sitting here saying business plan, segmentation, targeting, and positioning, and da-da-da-da-da. But I think it's really special when you can meet these people who have a dream and are just going to pursue it at really any cost that it takes. Yeah. And Paige totally encapsulated that. And, you know, what made her crazy cool to me was, um, you know, she wasn't going to take the typical plant shop florist strategy of here's some beautiful roses for you and when I'm going to try to do weddings I mean 
she would talk about in our interview and in my interview with her of there are some interview uh, weddings she won't do because they want a certain style that's beautiful and that she can appreciate, but that's not what her dream was. You know, her dream was to kind of bring this completely different perspective to flowers and pant and plants and how how they can tell the story. And I just thought, man, that's awesome. Like at the end of the day, no matter what, there's a there are plenty of flower shops out there with great business plans that I'm sure have died. You know, there are plenty of furniture makers with excellent business plans that I'm sure have died. But at the end of the day, if you're showing up with a dream and a lot of hustle, man, good on you. And mm-hmm. I'm going to bet on that person every time. And for nothing else, it, maybe even for not a return, but because I, that's what I want my kids to be. You know, I want them to see that. I don't want them to see, I got to I got to I got to It must look like I got to do it this way. Blah, blah, blue suit, PowerPoint. D- I don't want them to have to operate in that environment. I want them to operate in this thing of there's a big problem out there I think I can solve, and I'm just going to go solve it. Like, I mean, that's cool. That's freaking cool. Mm-hmm. And I, Paige, they all did in their own ways, but, you know, Paige um, did that. You know, she sold her motorcycle to help kind of finance certain things, and First of all, she's super cool, and she drives a super. She rides a super so cool motorcycle. Like, <laughs> could she get any cooler? Um, yeah, there it is. It's just fun. Yeah, and Paige is. Yeah, it was. It's special to see that. It's special in Denver to see that, and I think it's special for. You know, we talk about. Um, I have two boys, a five and three year old boy, and we talk about what college looks like for them now. And how expensive it is and how I should have started saving some, you know, on 40 years ago. <laughs> when you were in college. Exactly. <laughs> and I think, man, if, if my kid at 18 is like, look, you can give me, you can spend 10 grand, 30 grand, whatever on college. But I kind of want to go do this one thing. You know, I kind of want to go see if I can make this happen. Can I have that money to go do that? To throw up an Etsy shop or create a vlog or podcast or whatever. I mean, I, I hope that happens. Like, I hope, I hope they see, and I hope the business business world embraces that idea that anybody can do that. And then I hope they can see that when you see that thing, that problem you're trying to solve, and you can see how your your unique talent, your special gift can can mm-hmm. fix it. I hope they go just all in. You know, I hope it's like burn the freaking boat because I am not coming back. Like I am. I'm talented. I can do this one thing so well. I'm going to apply it right there, and I'm going all in. I don't care what I get paid. I don't care about eight to five. I don't care about room for rent. Air, you know, I don't care about the car I drive. I don't care about the dirty T-shirts I'm wearing. I don't care because <laughs> here it is, and I'm going all in. Like, that's unique. That's fun, and I think that's that's what we should celebrate. And that's what we tried to at Denver Startup Week. And it worked. Oh, yeah, you, you totally hit that. Yeah. Uh, my son's 21. He's at uh, CU. Yeah. He's in the Leeds Business School. Oh, wow. And I've told him that too. I said, look, you know, I've, I've been a software engineer. I work for Medtronic. So oh, that's wow. why I asked you about the medical yeah, device yeah. stuff. So I've done that. I've sold um, bikes. I've been all over with my career. Yeah. And I've led a challenging, but I think interesting life. Yeah. And I told him that same thing. I said, look, <clears throat> if there's an idea that is keeping you up at night in the best possible way, 
and uh, I don't think his mom listens to this show, so I can say this, but um, I told him, I said, look, if it's burning that hole in your brain and in your, in your soul, it's like, if college doesn't fit into that, give it a shot. Yeah. You know, take that swing, right? Because there's nothing worse than uh, regret. Like, looking back, woulda, coulda, shoulda. That's yeah. the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. You know, and I tell him the story. I'm One of my buddies is uh, cousins with Blake Mykoski. Okay. Who did Tom Shoes. Wow. So he got his start. I hope I get the details right. Doing a, a laundry business oh at gosh. TCU. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did hear yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Peace out, like yeah. a sophomore or something. It's okay. Like, <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> right? That's perfect. Yeah. But, you know, it's kind of like he figured that out. And then, you know, and I, I have read, too, that, like, the Bill Gates and the Steve Jobs and the Blake Mykoskis, they are the outliers from not yeah. finishing school and doing that. So yes. there's that romanticism, which is not totally real. Right. But that's something that I have told people sort of in my informal business counseling is like you don't need to quit your job and do this like your the drastic measures you're taking don't or the lack of drastic measures you're taking are not an indication of your determination totally so paid selling a motorcycle that may have been out of necessity but she's probably not on page seven of her business plan and going well i'm selling my motorcycle this is my commitment right you know it's doing, you know, 30 minutes a night is still dedication yes. and determination yes. and process. And I think people, you know, whether it's the social media, like going, oh, well, look at so-and-so, right? You know, they, they posted this from their island trip. This it was like, you know what, why don't you post that, you know, for 45 minutes you sat down and figured out how to make your store talk to your MailChimp thing. That That's a non-sexy, hard thing to do. Yes. But nobody posts about that. Yes, yes. <laughs> totally, totally. My wife has a, a health and wellness um, coaching business. Mm. And so a lot of the social media and, you know, reaching out to people and asking if they can, if she can help. And then putting yourself out there like that, that is no joke. And it's, I mean, it's good stuff, right? I mean, she's asking if you want to help being healthy or you need help with your diet or you're a very busy mom how do you minimize time at the grocery store and maximize you know diet for your kids of foods they'll eat and so it's great stuff but putting yourself out there and asking people if they need help and that for whatever reason that's hard to do because mm-hmm. I, I guess you're always afraid of what you might hear back but the reality is that that's how all business goes. And, man, you need, like, what, 500 no's to get to one yes, especially <laughs> in the beginning? And yeah. Yeah. The, um, when I was contemplating leaving the corporate world, that's, and it was a big decision because my boys were four and two at the time, and or three and one, I don't know, younger. And, you know, it is that's that's not the conversation you typically have with your parents and they're real excited about, hey, that really good salary I've got, I'm tossing <laughs> that to do storytelling. That doesn't Wait, know. a poet? You're gonna be a poet? <laughs> exactly. Kinda. Are you gonna write children's books? What is it? um it was a big thing and I but I watched this TED talk and I've been trying to sit here and remember the name of it and I don't. Um and it was a Scottish lady, it was like a TEDx event or whatever. And 
she talked about what makes people special and stand out. And, and the thing that she said that really resonated for me is she said, um, she said, you know, you have to find kind of that inner, you should have fun word for it, but that, you know, that you'd feed that inner beast, whatever that beast is telling you to do, you need to go do it. And she said, don't be that person who's got 10 years of experience. But the reality is it's that same, it's that one year, 10 times. And, and so I'm sitting here, you know, great job. And I'm, and I'm thinking about all the people that surround me and all the people. And I'm like, but that's all they've done. They, they've done this one thing for a lot of years. And it makes them really good at that one thing. But that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to be that one trick pony. You know, she talks about um, the Dalai Lama and somebody was like, what, is, what are you doing? Like, what? And he says, my life is my message. And I'm like, that's, I, that's what I want. I want to show people and I want to help other people show themselves you know, what's special about the world. And I'm not going to do that by getting really good at strategic business plans at one company or, you know, accumulating great business class miles at fancy. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that with a hundred blue suits in my closet. I'm I'm not other people can. I'm not. I thought I I gotta go. You know, you gotta, it's that Tarzan principle. You can't reach the next rope without letting go of the first one kind of thing. (laughs) And I I thought I gotta go. I gotta do it. And this is going to be really scary, but that's what startup is. I mean, that's what doing a new business is. Uh, yeah, I don't remember in that Facebook movie. I don't remember Mark Zuckerberg being like, "Just finished the business plan. Here we go. <laughs> you know, right. here's the project plan of the next six. I don't remember that part of the movie. Maybe it happened, but I don't remember it. I, yeah, and so I think that builds a lot of character in people. And I think you, you tend to, when you follow somebody else's path, you tend to lose your own character. And I think that that's that's not good. Yeah, yeah. In um, 2002, so this is back when I was a software engineer for Medtronic. Yeah. And I was making, I remember my paycheck, I was making 77 grand a year doing that, writing pacemaker code. (laughs) And my son was five and my daughter was just born. And I thought I had the killer job because I worked remote for CRM in Minneapolis, but I was in Parker. Yeah. And... It had no adult supervision. It was way before like co-working or remote working, right? And I remember going to that job and had a boss who, looking back, she was simply wanting me to execute what I said I was going to do from the programming perspective. Yeah. You know, like you said this module will be done on Friday. And bottom line, I hated the work. I never should have been an engineer, yeah. right? And I remember dropping my daughter off at this amazing daycare. And going back to my office, and we had taken over, like, one division had moved out. So I basically had the whole executive suite wow. <laughs> as a, as a low-level engineer. Right? Yeah. So I had the president's office. I had a room set up for my kitchen nice. and stuff. And I'm thinking, man, this I'll retire here. But I hated the work, right? And a lot like you, I just... I had this calling, like the only two times I was happy was when I was with my kids yeah. and on my bike. Yeah. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I quit that job. I stayed home with the kids for three years. And 
yeah, my life has been a butterfly path yeah. ever since then. But, and I don't, I don't allow myself to look back and go, well, what about the retirement package? What yeah. about the salary? Like where financially would I be? Right. But I'll tell you what, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Totally. I wouldn't have been at startup week. Yeah. I know that for a fact. Yeah. And so you can, you can stand the dominoes back up Yeah. and you know, money's great, but I was just sitting there like, yeah, it's like doing code reviews and what ultimately broke my spirit is we were going to get this whole new platform for a pacemaker yeah. and we were going to get all new tools and all ground up design. And then they paused that project, ultimately didn't go forward. We sat around for two months doing Ugh. nothing, Ugh. right? And then they said, all we're going to do is just do like a 2.1 of this. And I remember I had this one code module looked up and I had done like 37 different revisions <laughs> on this, right? Because it's the FDA. Yeah, right. Document everything. And I was like, I can't look at this code one more second. I just, I can't do it. Yeah. And that was just like, what am I going to do? Yeah. And I knew I couldn't do that. When you look back on that, can you can you see the point where your spirit started to be broken? Like like so maybe you quit on May first. When you look back, can you see that like on November is when when the break started to happen or when your energy started to flux or whatever? Like can you can you see that that kind of downward glide that maybe you should have ejected sooner? <laughs> it was um probably like my sophomore year when I was like, I loved the, the digital engineering. I love that. And I still utilize like the flow and the process. Like I'm probably a fairly balanced brain, like very imaginative. And, but once I have it designed in my head and I build out the process, I don't want to be involved with it anymore. Right. And you know, you had talked about the, like the, all the blue suits and then the, the medical people spending time by themselves. Yeah. I just remember, like my sophomore year, like the engineering floor, these guys, let's go to the lab and, you know, let's work on some code. And I'm like, no, let's go to the bar and meet some girls and go play volleyball. Like, and I just remember like going, well, is it something wrong with me or something wrong with them? Yeah. And like, those are the guys I want writing the code, not me. Those are the guys that analyze over every detail and love that. Yeah. I'm not that person. Uh, yeah, me neither. So it it was, uh, I'm glad I became an engineer for a while. I did it for 10 years and was like, ugh, dull headache that whole time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it there was not a um, explosion of that. It's probably just one more feather right. landing on the pile that yeah. just tipped the scale. Yeah. And it was just like, this is not for me, man. I feel like um, my exit was had more turbulence. Like I should have, oh. I should have pulled the shoots way earlier. And I mean, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm like you. I mean, I've afforded us things financially, and and I've got to meet some amazing people and visit some very cool countries. Um, so it was great, but but I feel like you know, and I when I look at people like Paige, you know, and and Tara and much younger who have, you know, who are are listening to that call, you know? And I think that that's, 
I think that's really special. And I think that that's something they don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I obviously haven't been in school for a while, but nobody taught me that in school. Nobody, nobody did. It was like, are you going to get into this school and do this on your SAT and this on your ACT? There wasn't this like, yo, man, what are you super passionate about? Like the, yes, not and cool. You love video games and and chasing girls and <laughs> okay, that's cool. What are you super passionate about though? That you have a unique talent for, um, that you can just unload an enormous amount of energy into. And and you know I got I got lucky with the things I did, but that's what it, that's what it was. It was luck. It wasn't calculated by any means, and I think. I think that's the story that, that doesn't get told. And that's a really important story that needs to be told of this, man, don't stress out. You know, we get so stressed out about, am I doing the right thing for a promotion? Am I doing this? Am I doing that? You know, do, am, I the, am I working here the latest? Am I, am I getting here the earliest? Am I, those are the wrong things, I think. I think you, you, it's more of, I've got, what is my gift? You know, what is, I'm a very uh, um, faithful person. Faith is a big part of my life. And, you know, so I always ask myself of the, the God-given talent that I have that's unique to me, am I applying it? Am I absolutely maximizing it? And not just, hey, I'm cool at this and good at this one thing. I'm gonna go do it today. But like, am I making this a part of it? Because I, my general belief is if you do that, the world will repay you because totally. when you walk into modern nomad, you can feel it. And I can't, I wish I could say, if you do ding, 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 you're going to, your, your audience will love it. You know, your customers will love it. I don't know what it is. And I do think there seems to be some sort of abstract thing that is unmeasurable, but man, you know, if you just get obnoxious about applying that talent and you don't worry about, always how you're making money and you know you sure don't compare yourself to anybody else and then you find yourself in a pretty special place i think and you start to refine that craft and then you meet neat people on the way who are like yo um (laughs) those wooden lapel pens you're doing are pretty neat but i've got this big medical company over here who needs a little bit of help on their investor presentation it has no story and life to it i think you could do that and then all of a sudden, a little bit of change in path, and now I'm telling stories, but I'm also you know making some money out of it. But I would have never been at that intersection had I not said, I love storytelling. I love hearing people. I have no idea how to make money out of it. I have no idea this is going to work. I, I don't have a team of bunch of marketers like I have for the last 15 years to help me out. <laughs> I don't have a 100-person sales team out there. If I, if I wouldn't have done that, I'd never been at that intersection. And I think that that's what, that's what we should teach to people, to kids. Um, that find it, focus on it, test that talent that you have, and, and then go experiment all day long on where you can apply that mm-hmm. thing and just be relentless about it. I think, I mean, yeah, and, and maybe that's school. Because we do need people who, you know, go through school and we do need PhDs. We need these very smart people and who are experts at certain scientific protocols and certain scientific methods for sure. But for those that don't, don't fool yourself. You can you <laughs> pull the, sh- I'm, I'm impressed you said sophomore year in school, pull the shoots early. Cause it's a lot easier when you're younger too. 
yeah. before you've got two kids at home, a marriage, a couple, you know, a mortgage and car payment and yada, yada, yada. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I've had a, a rich life, you know, since all that changed. Well, is that, yeah, about 20 years ago. Yeah. And have become, I think, the person that I wanted to be. And having the relationships that I want to have is is more important to me yeah. than that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's it's outside the scope of this conversation. We'll have beers one night. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you about that. Yeah. But you know, you mentioned your God given talent, and um, I read or listened to The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Yeah, yeah. Have you heard that? I've heard of it. Never okay. read it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and he's big into Greek mythology, but he yeah. says, you know, the gods have put something in everybody yeah and whether that's laying bricks or telling stories or doing what it is and he says and he talks about how if everybody did that you know, did what their talents were yeah just how much happier people would be the world would be a better place yeah and i firmly believe that you know and and it's um i don't know what that is exactly for me or for anybody else yeah but like I knew that laying code in a cubicle wasn't what I should be doing. Yeah. And I, I felt the same way you did because Medtronic, to their credit, their their responsibility, they said, was to the patients, yes. then to their employees, and then to the shareholders. Yeah. And being a 22-year-old cynical punk, I thought that was all just marketing BS. Yeah. It wasn't. Like, yeah. they really lived that. And that, that has stuck with me through – it helps me – it's helped me leave companies or seek out companies based on values. Yes. Right? Yes. Um, but I was so disconnected from the people that were actually getting the pacemakers. And I think had I been involved, that, that may have carried me a little bit longer. Like if I met somebody that did that and they, there was stories on the website that yeah. showed somebody's grandma and, you know, quality of life. Right. But it didn't stick. And right. for me, I'm very interpersonal. I need to see people, look people in the eye. Um, but yeah, you can, it's out there if that's important to you. Well, and who, I mean, like thinking about Denver Startup Week and what we did. And, you know, if you would have said to my, um, if you would have been in on that conversation with my father and guidance counselor in high school about what I'm supposed to do with my life, <laughs> if Tara from Lala Vintage would have been there and been like, hey, you know what? You can actually, I have a very good business and a very successful business of finding old clothes that I think people will like to be new again. Like, I mean, I, that's just like the gears would have come to a grinding halt. You know, like, what? <laughs> no, 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 no. You cannot, you cannot live out of a van travel with a trailer and go to pop-up flea markets and make any, that is not a business that does not, you know, but, but here she's doing it. And if Paige would have been in there and been like, you know what? Roses are beautiful. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm going to get the weirdest flowers possible and make really cool things out of them and let them tell their own story. I, what? That's just not, well, no, because that's not how it goes. Or, um, or I'm gonna put I'm gonna change the the discussion around sexual health and do a sex boutique, and and it's gonna be some product and some workshop where I go to people and literally force them <laughs> to talk about sex like and sexual health and educate them. 
Like, none of those were options. You know that, <laughs> that dumb old list we took when we were kids, and it was like, circle the things that you think are interesting. Engineer, scientist, sex shop owner, vintage clothing flea market extraordinaire. You know, those were not on there. And I, I think the more we can have that conversation, that's what makes Startup Week pretty cool. The more we can expose uh, people at all ages, uh, but especially younger kids, to that. That those are options. Those are options. Like, and and by the way, you're going to learn a lot about business along the way. You're going to learn a lot about customers. You're going to learn a lot about finance because yeah, you got to manage some money. You're going to be learning a lot about making hard decisions. You're going to be learning a lot about focus. It's going to come, but you can do that all while hunting out cool vintage clothing. You know, you can do that while you know you sell. You you, you hunt. You, you go out and seek unique things, um, accessories, clothing, handbags, tapestries, whatever, that look beautiful, that are being made in third world countries. And you can bring them to a, a whole mm-hmm. new market in the United States. And so not only can you create a business for yourself, but you can also cre- help that person in that other country create a business for them. And that's cool. Like, that's powerful. Yeah, that should be not that should be one of those circles you know they should have that circle it probably will get filled in more than all the other ones <laughs> but that should be a circle um, yeah it should be more the question should be more what do you want to do as opposed to what do you want to be yes yeah and then force people to stick to that like <laughs> tattoo it on their arm it is tough though man i mean i get it I, i've been Sounds like you have too. I just I've been given the opportunity to try this kind of stuff, you know, and and we're blessed even just to be in America and have the opportunity, you know, in other countries doing this, you know, failing at something like this, it actually carries with you in America. Failing at your business, you know, it's it's sort of like a merit badge, you know, <laughs> it's a cool merit badge. You get to show off a little bit, yeah. Um. And so, it, it, obviously, there are special cultural things here that make that unique and fun. Um, I'm trying to think. Adam Grant wrote a book. I want to say it was called Out. It wasn't Outliers. I think that's a Malcolm Gladwell one. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> but he talks about, and you said it a minute ago. You know, when when they went back and they looked at, you know, like the the really like Maya Angelou and and um, Stephen King. And they looked at all the things, their mass body of work, and kind of what made them successful. A handful of things stood out. One was, like Maya Angelou, she wrote, I can't, I'll get these numbers all wrong, but, you know, a mass number of poems. But she's known for, like, three. You know, at, at, across, obviously there are people who know all of them, but, you know, she's really known for only a, a couple of them. And, you know, talked about when you go back and you look at, like, the London Symphony Orchestra put together the greatest music acts, musical pieces of all time. Like, Beethoven is only in there some, you know, five times. Yet, he did some ridiculous number of of musical pieces of art. And it talks about, and, the, you know, the book talked about, you, you really just have to take a lot of shots on goal. Like, that should, and, and that's okay, and you should. And these people who we think were gifted from the start. Well, they were gifted with the ability to work and to apply that talent. And <laughs> some of them just really took off. And then when Stephen King, they talked about him, is I think he was like, 
Um, he worked at a gas station when he released his first book, and he kept his gas station job because you know he wasn't sure if the book was going to sell. Um, and, and they talk about you know the average GPA of these incredible business owners, and that they're not these 4.0 people. They tend to be kind of middle of the pack, maybe a little bit ahead, but they tried these really neat things along the way, and some of them were failures. Um, and I think that has stuck with me too about you know when you go out and you and you're trying to do your you're trying to start this business and you hear no a lot a lot and you hear a what and it's too risky <laughs> but that's normal you know and you really have to do that it talks to too about um when we first had kids we read the book um how did children succeed by i think paul Toff hmm. or something like that and he talks about this nobel prize winner somebody had just won i don't think it was milton friedman but one of these guys anyway just won the nobel prize in economics and he's like okay what else do, what am i going to do with my life next and he starts just going around the country and talking to people. And he goes to this high school in summertime. And he's getting a tour of the high school. This is where we do STEM programs. This is where we do whatever, computer, whatever. And he comes to this one classroom, and he's like, who's in there? And, and the lady, the tour guide's like, that's the um, GED program. And he's like, how does that work? You know, what does that look like? And he's like, well, she's like, well, it's an eight-week program. Take a test. If you pass, you have your high school diploma. And um, he's like, wait, 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 wait. You're telling me that you... Oh, so I think he was like, well, what's, what's the success rate? And she's like, you know, huge. Huge success rate. If you apply for yourself for these eight weeks or whatever it was, a small period of time during the summer, you'll pass. And he's like, you're telling me I could either go to high school for four whole years and go through the, the tumultuous, <laughs> like, puberty, all the things you go through in high school... And get the same thing I can get a two years later after a 12-week program? He said, that's broken. Like, what's, what's in this? And so that's what he studied next was, what is that? What is that all about? And so he tracked these people, you know, high school students. And, and ultimately what he found out was that what you learned was actually that, the social elements of life. And getting along with people, not getting along with people, controversy, drama, gossip, you know, all these things. That's what you're actually learning that prepare you for whatever it is you're going to do in your life. And, and I look at starting businesses the exact same way. You know, you can sit comfortable in a company where, granted, anybody can be fired at any time. But, you know, the bigger the company, the less likely that is to happen. And you're probably, if, as long as you doing well in your performance review and, you know, you do the things you're asked to do, you're going to keep that job for a very long time. And that's fantastic. But I'm not so sure that teaches you all the things that you really need to know. And I, I look at starting a business and I look at Startup Week of that is it gives you the opportunity to um, have that social interaction of weird businesses, weird competition, a lot of loneliness, uh, looking for money, raising capital. <laughs> yeah, it teaches you all those things that otherwise you wouldn't learn. Um, and that's what's fun for us is that I get to go do that. You know, I get to meet all these people, listen to that story. You know, they put in eight years. You know, I get to listen to it for a day or so. Mm -hmm. And then we get to put together some pretty powerful stuff for them to help them then go, you know, amplify that message, go raise some money, motivate a team, whatever it happens to be. 
but it would have never started had had I not started a business, you know, and right. and figured out that there's a lot of ways to make money out there, and and that panel was kind of a way for us to demonstrate that 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 really you don't need to you know got a dream, got a passion, got a talent. Here's a cool way to make a whole. Here's a cool way to write the next chapter of your life. I can't add anything more to that. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, that's, that might be a perfect place to hit pause. I mean, that's very profound. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you attending. Yeah. And I appreciate the comments and it's a special place. And I hope people get the opportunity to go to modern nomad, do some shopping, help out some small business owners, you know, um, but also to meet, to see what they're doing. And be inspired by what they're doing beyond just cool clothes, cool plants, that kind of stuff. Um, and then ultimately give it a shot or help somebody else who's giving it a shot. <laughs> That's not just money. It can be time at the register. It can be time redecorating or cleaning. You know, there's a lot of ways to help out a small business owner. That's not just giving them money or buying their products. Um, amplifying their message, retweeting them, resharing Instagram photos. You know, there's lots of ways. And I hope people can see that. And, and I hope people do that because I think that's important. And I think that's when we embrace that spirit of identifying your talent, obsessing about it, it's cool things start to happen. This is, uh, I'm going to give you another compliment here. And the fact that we have touched on your business, but we're kind of closing it out with you talking about helping other people and their businesses it's just it's uh, there's like 17 reasons i could list why i like you and why we're getting along but ultimately you're thinking about somebody else's success yeah and i think that's really cool no i appreciate that so but i'm going to make you tell people where they can find you to help them yeah yeah (laughs) thanks i do tend to i think actually at startup week i realized i forgot to introduce myself um yeah so they can you know we offer coaching services of all types to all types of companies um, and wearative.com is a good resource. This is your website. It's W E A R R A T I V E, wearative. Um, it's a good resource to go. But ultimately, I like conversations like this. I like um, getting together and hearing people's stories. And so, if anybody ever needs help, it's my honor to have breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever. I have little kids, and so if you want to play at the playground, I can do that too. <laughs> um, but it's my honor to do that, and, I, and we love to help, and whatever that looks like. And it tends to look like investor presentations. That's a big need for people, and it tends to look like help with public speaking. Um, but we do websites, and we do social media content calendars, and um, yeah, it's just we help tell stories. We're storytellers. With that, Chris Moore, Wearative. Thank you very much, man. He's, he's one of the good ones. I can testify to that. So thanks for making the time, buddy. Absolutely, man. Thank yeah. you. Yeah.